we're going to get into the Word here. We're going to start out Matthew 5, verse 13. And uh starts out and it says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And it says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for who you are, God. I pray that today you would just speak to us, Lord. Get me out of your way, Lord, so your message would come through. Open our hearts. Father God, change each of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, The title of the message today is Identity Crisis. And uh, whenever the Lord was giving me that thought, I was like, yeah, we got that in this world. I mean, I imagine we all notice. And and, uh, we look around and we can quickly identify all the identity crises. People thinking they're women when they're men and men thinking they're women. Kids now thinking they're pets and you know, I'm a cat, I'm a dog, there's, you know, there, I, I think somebody said there's like 60 some odd quote unquote genders in America now, and uh, how's that possible when there's two, I don't know, like, if I started making stuff up, I couldn't get past five, and, uh, but it's the world we're living in, right, and uh, so as that thought became, started coming to me more and more, and uh I'm praying about this identity crisis. I realize quickly that God's not speaking to the world about identity crisis. He's speaking to the church. And uh, and maybe part of the reason we have an identity crisis in America isn't the weirdos. It may be the, the weird church that's got an identity crisis. And uh, so... Uh, I'm going to read Matthew or Mark 5, but then we're going to go to Colossians 2. Mark 5 and verse 6, he says, When he saw Jesus talking about a, a demon-possessed man, from a distance he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man. You impure spirit, and Jesus asked him, "What is your name?" And he said, "My name is Legion, for we are many." And uh, I've shared this before here, and the identity crisis we have in this world is—I don't believe—has anything to do with anything other than demonic spiritual attacks. I believe Legion identified as we and many, and I believe we have people in America identifying as what they're not because they don't know Jesus, and. Uh, once Legion knew Jesus, he no longer re- recognized with that name. We don't know what his real name was because he didn't even identify as it in that time period, right? So that's a spiritual attack. But uh, I want to get into Colossians 2. and uh, Colossians 2, verse 6. And it says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And, and we are blessed that we get to know Jesus. We got, we are saved, right? I was speaking to a man this morning who 
who was, uh, I asked him how he's doing, he went five minutes on all the negative things in his life. And then as we start talking, he said, yeah, I'm saved. He said, uh, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior with the promise of going to heaven. And I thought, okay, like, that's good. I said, you know, a lot of people believe in Jesus. But it don't mean they've been changed. And I said, that, that, that's your issue. Is, uh, you need to focus on that change. There has to be, like, if we truly accept Jesus, you know, it says here we are now... We need to walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. I would venture to say, if you can't speak anything but negativity and there's no thanksgiving, you probably need to evaluate where your identity is. Right? Like, we are rooted in Jesus Christ. Nothing can take us out of that. There should be some thanksgiving in that. There should be some rejoicing in that. Right? That should be our identity. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elementary spirits of this world, and not according to Christ. And this is anything other than Christ that is being speaking to you. He's saying, take it captive, get rid of it, right? And I don't know about you guys, but it doesn't take me very long within a day before all this stuff starts coming towards me, trying to get me distracted from my walk with Christ. We talked about it in men's group yesterday, how hard it is to keep focused on that. You know, it. Uh, we are responsible for our walk with Christ, not the world, not anybody else, not even this church. Pastor Chad is not responsible for my walk with Christ. Now, he's going to shepherd us. He's going to help us, guide us, and and speak to us and feed us, but it's on me for my daily walk with Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells boldly, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. We have been filled with God. We have the same rule and authority of Jesus Christ because of Jesus Christ. He did it. But do we walk in that? Do we identify in that? Right? Or do we still identify with our weakness? Do we still identify with who we used to be or who we think we are? Are we identifying in, wow, I have God. There's authority and power in me because of Jesus. Right? Then he goes, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And this goes back to the message last week. We talked about this very thing of when he's talking about circumcision here, he's not talking about a knife. He's talking about he took away all of the uncleanness from us. The day we were, we were saved, we were cleansed. The day we accepted him as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he paid for all that. He circumcised us to now live with him, to now be made one with him. He took care of all that, right? And you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. And he set aside, nailing it to the cross, 
He disarmed the rulers of authorities. He put them uh, to open shame and triumphing over them. He is telling us Jesus paid for everything. It's all nailed to the cross. And we are to live in the authority and the power of that, right? I started out with that scripture up there with, uh, we are the salt of the world. We are the light of the world. Throughout scripture, you can go through scripture and it tells you who you are in Christ over and over, right? You are one with Christ. You have been redeemed in Christ. You have authority in Christ. There's all these promises of who we are in Christ all throughout scripture. Focus on that. We find our identity on what Scripture tells us we are. I'll tell you what, we look a lot different. The church as a whole looks a lot different when we find our identity on who Scripture says we are. Right? And you know what else changes? People around us start recognizing there's something different. That person's different. This person's different. Right? And they notice and we have to let people notice that. They have to see in us something different than they do in the world. But you need to also. When, you, when you're going through your day and you feel miserable and you're like, the world just sucks and everything's coming against me and this, that, and the other, and we're not stopping and saying, you know what? There's some rough stuff going on, but I belong to Jesus Christ. You know what? I feel like I have spiritual attacks, but you know what? I have authority and I speak against that in Jesus' name. And we start walking in our identity, our own world changes, right? Our own world changes, and as soon as we start to change, those around us closest to us will start to change. And as those closest to us start to change, those around the big group start to change. And as that group starts to change, the ones bigger start to change. And eventually it starts spreading. But it has to start with us truly walking in our identity of who we are and who God told us we are. Right? And, and a lot of times you can ask somebody who they are. You can ask somebody about, about them. Tell me about you. And, they, you know, they may say, well, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. You know, I work here. I do this. I'm... I'm I'm this person's dad, or I'm married to this person, and they give you all these thoughts about who they are. And uh, but who do you think you really are? Like, what do you actually identify with? Right? We can tell people over and over we live for Christ. We can tell people over and over. Um, you can tell somebody over and over who you're married to, but if you're not acting as the the spouse of that person, it really doesn't matter. Right? I could tell people all day long, I'm married to some celebrity I've never met. It doesn't really mean that I'm married to them. I can learn everything about them. I can, I can follow, like, I can even stalk them. Right? I can do a lot of stuff that doesn't make me married to them. And the same thing with Jesus. I can tell people my walk, like, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. I go to church. I stand up and preach to people. doesn't mean... My identity is actually in Christ. There, there's, a, there's a lot of times that we find our identity in the things we do and not in the one we're with, right? There's a lot of people who, who do stuff in churches and, and good stuff outside of the church and in the communities, and, and it doesn't change who they are. 
they're identifying with their works more than they are with the one that should be the one working in them. Right. Uh, all right. We're going to go into chapter 3 of Colossians. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I was so grateful that God gave me this message for when I met the man I talked to this morning. As he's negatively talking over and over about everything bad. And he starts asking me questions about God. And why would God allow this? And why would God allow that? And why are churches this way? And why are churches that way? And then I can share something just like this. Well, if you're saved, you should actually probably be seeking the Lord. You should probably be... uh, Seeking the things of God. Are you actually seeking the things of the Lord? Do you focus on the good things God's doing? Do you? And he's like, no. I'm like, oh. I said, would you think that'd probably be a problem with Christians? And he said, yes. I said, the problem in the world is not all the stuff you're talking about. The problem is, is us. And to which he said, nobody's ever told me that, but you're right. Now, does it change him? I don't know. But the problem is, is how we live a lot of times. We can complain all day long about the rest of the world and everything going around us. I can complain about saying Jason ain't doing what I want Jason to do or somebody else. I can say Luke should be doing this, right? But that ain't for me to decide what they need to do. It has nothing to do with me. What is Eddie doing, right? Who am I trying to to communicate with. I, I need God. I need to be identified with God. I should be so focused on God that if, if Jason ain't doing what Jason's supposed to be doing, he's going to see me walking and identifying with God. He's going to say, wow, I want whatever that is. Right? Instead of going over trying to get Jason to be the way I should be. Right? So set your minds on things that are above, not things that are on the earth. That is a very taught thing in America, like in churches. Set your th- uh, your mind on things that are above, not on the things of the earth. And when we, oftentimes I think as Christians, this is a no-brainer. We know we do do this. But if you sat down, like truly evaluated what you've been thinking of most and what captivates your thoughts most every day, how much of it would actually be things of above and how much would it be things of the earth? If we're being honest with ourselves. How much is our mind set on things above compared to things of of the earth? And he says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. If that is true, if you truly died and you're now hidden with Christ in God, your identity should have changed. It wouldn't be worldly. Your identity is now heavenly, right? When Christ is your life, who is your life appears. I like that. Who is your life? Like, I love Christ. I love serving Jesus Christ. I love spending time with Jesus Christ. I don't know if I can 100% say Jesus Christ is my life. I would like to think that, but there's a lot of evaluation that needs to go on constantly to make sure that's the case, right? 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Now, I have no doubt about that. I have no doubt that when Jesus comes, I am with Him. And I will say before we leave today, if you're not in that place, we need to talk. I don't want anybody leaving here not knowing that the moment Christ comes in His glory, you will be with Him. That is the most important thing you need to identify with. And it says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Then he speaks to the things, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Idolatry, when it says covetousness, is whenever you're trying to seek the things for yourself, to put yourself above other things and to, or even not even just yourself, like even things. Right? Putting ourselves in the place of God. And uh, then it says, On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Hmm. You know, he says sexual immorality, impurity, passions, covetousness. But really, if you just look at evil desires, if you have any desire that is not of God, that would be an evil desire. Anything that takes us away from God is not of God, therefore it would not be good, right? So we need to be thinking on these things. And it says, in these you two once walked when you were living in them. And I don't think there's anybody in here who is uh, of the point that you're, you're bold enough to say you never lived in those, right? You never walked in the in, in the things of the world, right? And and he's talking about, we once lived in them. He said, but now you must put them all away. Then he gets into the, the easier list for us usually to identify with, right? We need to put them all away. Anger. It's a hard one to put away. Sometimes you just need to be angry. Sometimes people deserve to to feel your wrath, right? So then it goes into that, wrath. Why do we feel like people need to pay? Why do we feel like people need to hear what we have to say? Why do we feel like people need to feel our judgment? Right? Malice. We're probably decent at that, but who knows? Slander. Mm. Jason did a good talk on that not long ago. If uh, Sometimes we think we're speaking stuff that is of truth, but usually oftentimes when we're speaking about somebody else, we're more slandering than anything. Right? Obscene talk from your mouth. And uh, these are things we have to guard ourselves. We have to look different than the world. Whenever somebody is trying to provoke you, and we know that that's a spiritual attack because Scripture tells us that, like not the flesh and blood, it's the spiritual things. When you respond the way Jesus responded when Satan was trying to provoke him, and you just speak truth, People will see. Jesus didn't have to yell at him. He didn't have to get mad. He didn't have to call him names. All he had to say is, hey, Scripture says this, man. Yep, Scripture says this. Yeah, Scripture says this, now go. Get away from me. And it's that easy. We have that kind of authority because we have God within us, right? Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And uh, 
I, I like this the way this is put. It doesn't just say do not lie to one another. It's saying do not lie to one another, seeing that you put off the old self with, with its practices. What he's trying to tell us is here is don't try to hide what you've been doing. Don't try to lie about where, what, what you're doing or who you are, right? Put away that old stuff. Yeah, I did that. It's gone. Or, hey, I struggled with that. It's gone. Stop lying and trying to protect what you've done, right? Let it go. That's why it says whenever we confess to one another, there's healing, right? When we confess our sins to Jesus, there's forgiveness, Right? There's salvation. But when we confess to one another, there's healing. It can no longer have control over us. It's in the open. Right? Mike and I were talking about this yesterday. Sometimes just talking to somebody brings a lot of healing because you can let that stuff out. Right? He says, here there is no Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, uh, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And uh, that means all of us. Everybody has the same opportunities anybody else. There's no reason why you don't. And uh, As I was getting this message last night, I didn't know how to relate it. How do we relate this directly to us? And I've been doing a study on Right Now Media, as Jason talked about earlier, on Romans. Uh, Michael DeFazio does it. And this morning I got up to do the devotion, you know, I, I read in Romans and then I, I'm in Romans 6 and I, I watched Michael's video and, and uh, you know, God does what God does and, and he starts speaking, uh, Michael does about being saved or unsaved and the freedom we have in Jesus Christ and, and he gives us great word picture that I, well, not just word picture, great thought on this and uh he said, if he was a slave, he said, pretend like I'm a slave to a man named Fred. I don't know if he used the name Fred, but pretend like I'm a slave to a man named Fred. Fred's a harsh master. When Fred says, mow the yard, I have to mow the yard, right? When Fred says, cook the meal, I have to cook the meal. When Fred tells me to do whatever Fred yells at me to do, I have to do at that moment, right? I am a slave to Fred. But then Rick comes over. And Rick buys me from Fred. And now I am bought by Rick. And whenever I come to Rick's house, Rick says, you are free to do whatever you want to do. But I have an apartment in the back. If you want to live in the apartment in the back, you can stay here. I will hire you. You will work for me. And you'll tend to my, my place. He said, and if I agree to that and I stay with Rick, and as Rick tells me, hey, would you mow the grass? And I'm mowing the grass. And then Fred starts yelling to me, hey, come mow the grass. And I go over and mow Fred's grass. I haven't let go my identity as a slave to Fred. Right? And so whenever sin is yelling at us and the world is yelling at us, trying to tell us what we need to be doing and we're listening, we haven't completely been set free. We're still identifying as that slave we were before. And I thought, wow, that's a wise man to say something like that. Must be biblical. Right? We've been set free. We've been set free from all of the things that try to hold us down in, in, in this world. Christ set us free. We are not bound by sin. We are not bound by worldly things. We are not even bound by our finances. We are not bound by the struggles we go through. 
We are not bound by anything of this world. Set free. And, and what Scripture say? He who is free is free indeed, because Christ set him free, right? We have to live that way. I don't have to answer to anybody telling me I have to do something. Unless it's Jesus Christ. Because he's the one that paid for my debt, and he's the one who set me free, and I agreed that I wanted to live for him and with him, right? Nobody else should have that say in me. Okay, then it goes on in Colossians 3. It says, put on then, as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. Think about that in your daily walk. How often do we, as God's chosen ones who are supposed to be set apart and loved by Him, do we have compassionate hearts for those who struggle, right? That's a weakness for me. I just think people need to suck it up and move on. right? Compassion's not my strong suit, right? Kindness. Are we snappy with people? Are we kind to people? Do we treat people with the love and respect they deserve? Because they are made in the image of God, right? God does want to do something in them. Are we, do we approach people with humility? And humility, we've heard it before, but humility does not mean you're making less of yourself. It means you're making more of others. Right? You don't have to tear yourself down to pretend like you're humble. If you think you're, if you're, if you're trying to pretend to be, to have humility, then you don't have it. Humility is just making more of others than yourself, right? Meekness. I always like this because, you know, we're told that Moses was the meekest of all. But if you look at Moses, he was not weak. He was meek. He wasn't quick to just snap. He was, he was a loving guy. He was a person who was just melancholy kind of. He just kind of stayed even, right? And he loved people and he acted in a way that he was meek, but he wasn't weak. Jesus wasn't weak. We know Jesus was meek by the way he, he interacted with people and the love he showed people and the patience he showed people. We know his meekness, but we know he wasn't weak because whenever he needed to turn over those tables of the money changers, he'd already fashioned a whip of cords to go in and show them who's boss. That ain't weak. But he was very meek with people. Patience. How patient are we? For some reason, what, 15, 20 years ago, there became this cool, trendy saying of don't pray for patience. God will test you. Guess what? There's nothing we shouldn't pray for. In fact, if you're afraid to pray for patience, you should probably be praying more often for it so you can be tested. Right? And it says, bearing with one another. This is a hard one. In America, we like to identify as busy. Like, when we ask people, how you doing? They're like, oh, busy. And then you're like, oh, really? Why are you busy? And they're like, oh, I just have so much going on. And you're like, oh, really? What do you got going on? And they're like, I've been working a lot. And you're like, how long have you been working? They're like, 40 hours a week. Like, well, that's a normal work hour, like work week there. 
So you got 80 hours, you're not working, right? And they're like, yeah, but, you know, things have just been busy. And I'm like, so what do you do when you get home? Usually just lay around. I'm so tired. I'm like, oh, that sounds busy. Right? We like to identify as busy just because it's the trendy thing to do. Like, for some reason, I'm always busy. Right? Maybe you are. Maybe you're busy with the things you shouldn't be doing. Because if we're doing the things of the Lord, you'll have energy. He will provide, right? But we we have to begin to identify more with these things. Like whenever he does put this on, like the uh, bearing with one another, there should never be a time that anybody is a burden to bear with, to love, to serve. There should never be a time that that becomes a case unless God says, hey, Leave that one for somebody else, right? We should never be too busy for people. Let's see here where I'm at. Oh, yeah, and then forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. We got that down, right? We're great at forgiving people just as God has forgiven us. We probably got that mastered. I'm I'm actually not even going to... Push on that one, because I don't know what Jesus has forgiven you for. But I imagine it's way more than you need to forgive somebody else for. So we, we can probably go with that. All right, I'm going to move on. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And I'm not going to read 1 Corinthians 13, but if you read 1 Corinthians 13, you know where you lie in that, in that part. But we should always be thinking about loving people. When our day starts, it should be, I want to love God and I want to love people, right? And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I want to say that one more time. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Do we identify with the peace of Christ? Or do we walk around in turmoil? Do we walk around in in anxieties? Do we walk around with anything other than the peace of Christ in our hearts. To which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful that the the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I like how he puts it to that point. See, right up here in uh, verse 15, he starts changing to not just you, but all of us together as one body. We should be doing things together as one body. We should be speaking to each other, teaching each other, loving each other, operating together with each other. I think that's how how we're so blessed to be connected to each other so well because we actually show up and connect. When people are sitting at home alone, they can't do this part of it, right? They're identifying as loners. They're identifying as the one person following God, but that ain't what God said. We are a body. If you can't identify with the body of Christ, there's an issue. And he said, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do, 
in word or deed. Mm. We should live in that way. We should always be giving thanks to God in all things, right? Oh, man, my car just got repossessed, but thank you, Lord, for letting me have it as long as I have. Thank you, Lord, that I, I could have suffered worse, right? Lord, I know you'll provide my need, right? There's a lot of things it's hard to be thankful for. I imagine when somebody receives the news that they have cancer, it's hard to be thankful. But if you are, it changes your whole mindset. It'll take away a little bit of anxiety. And I'm going to close with Mark 19, verse 29. But before I do that, I'm going to... uh, This is a message as as I got it. The Lord this morning just been speaking so much to me about it. And uh, on the way over here, Daryl Jones is preaching the exact same message. Blew my mind. And uh, he's a pastor, I think, in Dallas. And uh, I didn't get to hear his whole message. I had to stop. But I I heard one... one, uh, analogy he gave and he talked about David and Goliath which is pretty neat because we've been talking a lot about him lately and uh, when David was told the promises of Saul if you kill this giant you'll receive riches and you'll become a prince right you will marry my my daughter and when David was told those things the moment he killed Goliath and he cut Goliath's head off. He didn't say like, all right, man, I'm going to go back to being a shepherd and then hopefully eventually I'll get my promises. The moment he cut off the head of Goliath, he returned and received the promises of Saul. He immediately entered into the promises of Saul. He went right into it. He became the prince. He married the princess. He got his riches, and he's like, where's my stuff? That's right when when he kills him. He says, like, where is my stuff? Where's what you told me I would get? And sometimes when we get saved, we wait. Like, I wonder when God's going to change me. I wonder when I start receiving the promises God's promised me in Scripture. It's not a, hey, let's wait and see. The moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and your sin is put to death, you need to start proclaiming those promises God has promised you. You need to start living as if you identify as the prince of the kingdom. You're now a son of God. You're now a daughter of God. You should live that way. The moment you receive Jesus Christ in your life, there should be changes. We should start saying, hey, God, you said it. Where is it? Right? He is your father. You have the right to proclaim his truths and his promises. We should live that way. Right? And like I said, I'm going to close in Mark 12, verse 29, and I'm going to bring Pastor Chad up. And it says, Jesus answered, The most important is this Hear, O Israel, the Lord, talking about the most important commands, love the Lord your God. Or it says, The Lord your God is one, one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength, right? And that is the number one commandment. And imagine if the Lord your God was just one God. He didn't have to compete with anything else in your life. And then you began to focus on loving Him with all your heart 
and with all your soul and all your mind and with all your strength, and you put everything you have into loving God, and you identify it as a person who is just going to love God, how much different would things be? Right? When David took that head over to Saul and he says, where's my stuff? He identified immediately as the victor. Right? Our identity needs to change. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than needs. If we, if we focus on loving God with all we are, this part becomes really easy. And the world changes, right? And I'm going to bring Pastor Chad up and all the elders. We're going to talk real quick, but you can come on up.